friends, and happy 2022! Welcome back to a new year and new season on the Unknown Friends Book Review Podcast. Today's episode launches season three of the podcast, and I can hardly contain my excitement about all the incredible literature we're going to discuss this year. I have got big plans for season three, and I really hope you all enjoy what I have in store. In case you're a first-time listener, a special welcome to you. This is a great time to jump in and join the Unknown Friends community at the beginning of a new season, so I'm delighted you're giving the podcast a try, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Rochelle Ferguson from Kitty Wayne Productions. I'm a Christian, a reader, a playwright, and a teacher. And talking about stories is probably one of my top five favorite things to do ever. So this year in season three, we're going to cover, as usual, a mix of authors and their works that are well-known and others that are more obscure. But one thing that's going to be different this year from previous seasons is the structure of the podcast's schedule. I already explained at the end of last season how we'll be doing episodes every other week this year instead of every week, so you already know about that, but I decided to restructure this season in one additional way, which will be unique to this season only. A lot of good things come in threes, and that's as true for books as it is for other things. There are some really excellent trilogies out there that I have been wanting to discuss on the podcast for quite a while and haven't felt like the timing was right. But this year, I have decided to go all in. So in season three, I'm going to be exclusively discussing trilogies. We'll dedicate three episodes to each trilogy so that each individual book gets its own episode, And by the end of the season, we will have covered eight trilogies, because I'm planning for 24 episodes, one every other week, which will take us from now all the way through the end of November. Now, this is obviously different from anything we've done before, and I don't plan to structure another season quite like this again, but season three just seemed like the obvious perfect season for trilogies. So that's what we're going to do. I'm really looking forward to each of the eight trilogies I'm planning to discuss. And even though they're all alike in their three-part structure, they contain a wide variety of content and come from several very different genres. We'll see some historical fiction, science fiction, fantasy, and more. And lastly, because we'll end up spending three episodes over the course of six weeks to discuss each trilogy, I think it's going to be more feasible for you guys to read along with me this year if you're interested. We will be taking our time, doing some pretty in-depth discussions of each book, And it will be harder than ever before to avoid spoilers at times, just because you can't often talk about the second or third book in a trilogy without revealing some spoilers from the first or second book. So for all these reasons, 
If you're interested and have the time, I would encourage you to read along with me as I read and discuss these eight trilogies. So now that we're all on the same page, we know where season three is headed. I am ready to embark on this journey with you guys, and I'm delighted to begin by introducing you to our first trilogy of the year. So allow me to present you with Kristen Lavren's Daughter, written by Norwegian author Sigrid Unset. If you've never heard of Kristen Lavren's Daughter, you're not alone. I had never bumped into this work or this writer until a year or maybe two years ago, when I was reading the transcript of an interview with Elizabeth Elliot, in which she named Kristen Lavren's daughter as her all-time favorite novel. Now, this immediately piqued my curiosity. I've not talked about Elizabeth Elliot much on the podcast, but I hope you're familiar with her life and her writing. She was an exceptional woman and her life and her books have been deeply inspirational to me. Definitely look her up if you've not read any of her books. So anything that Elizabeth Elliot recommends, I am interested in, because I hold her in high respect and trust her judgments. So as soon as I read that Kristen Lavren's daughter, which I had never heard of, was her favorite novel, I immediately added the book to my want-to-read list. And when I looked up the book to learn more about it, I was surprised and intrigued by what I found. So first of all, of course, it is a trilogy, technically. The three books of Kristen Lavern's Daughter are closely connected and together tell just one long story, the story of one woman's life. But the author, Sigrid Unset, has divided the story into three distinct stages. The first book in the trilogy is titled The Wreath, the second is called The Wife, and the third, The Cross. Altogether, it makes quite a long, deep story. I've been listening to Kristen Lavren's Daughter as an audiobook on Audible, and the entire trilogy is 45 hours long. Totally worth it, though. And also, the narrator is excellent, Aaron Bennett. Highly recommend her version. Now, there were a few more surprises in store for me when I first looked into Kristen Lovren's Daughter after I discovered it was Elizabeth Elliot's favorite novel. So the author, Sigrid Unset, was a Norwegian-Danish writer in the early 20th century. And so, of course, the trilogy is written in Norwegian, and we English speakers have to read it in translation. There is an old translation from the 1920s, which I have only heard criticism of, but there is a newer and much more highly recommended English translation from the 90s, which is the version I'm reading, and it seems to be very well done. The translator is Tina Nunali, so just make sure to look for her edition if you're interested in reading Kristen Lavren's Daughter for yourself. So it's a trilogy written by a Norwegian author in the 1920s, and the story is set in Norway in the 1300s. I don't exactly know why all of this surprised me, but it did. 
Elizabeth Elliot's favorite novel was a very long three-volume story of a 14th century Nordic woman's life written just after World War I by another Nordic woman who, at the time she wrote the trilogy, was actually an agnostic. More on that in a minute. Still, as obscure as this work sounds, I still wanted to read it because, as I've said, I trust Elizabeth Elliot's judgment. So, I put it on my reading list and was just waiting for an opportunity when I could set aside the time to read a 45-hour audiobook. And that time arrived last month over the Christmas holidays. I haven't quite finished the trilogy yet, but I'm getting close, and I have found it to be riveting and challenging, and I have begun to see why Elizabeth Elliot named it as her favorite novel. And although Kristen Lovren's daughter may seem obscure, it is not quite as unrecognized as you might expect. Sigrid Unset, the author, was quite well known in her time and place, and Kristen Lovren's daughter actually won her the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1928. And I want to share more about Sigrid Unset's life quickly to help orient us for discussing Kristen Lavren's daughter, which is generally considered to be her masterpiece. So Sigrid Unset was born in 1882, in Denmark actually, but when she was two, her family moved to the capital city of Norway, which is where she grew up. She was the eldest of three sisters. Her father was an archaeologist but tragically, he died after a long illness when Sigrid was only 11 years old. She had a rather hard life then as a teenager and had to work as a secretary for 10 years from the time she was 16. At the same time, she was beginning her first attempts at novel writing. Over the course of several years, she wrote her first book, a medieval historical novel, but no publisher accepted it. Her second book was more successful and launched her writing career. It was a much shorter novel set in a contemporary setting in which Sigrid drew very much from her own experiences as a young middle-class Norwegian woman trying to figure out life in the big city at the turn of the century. And for a while then, her books were mostly realistic novels set in her own time and place, and it wasn't until later in her career that she returned to historical fiction. But of course, growing up as the daughter of an archaeologist, she had always been fascinated with history and was very well versed in the medieval time period specifically, and she was able to use that when the time came to write Kristen Lavren's Daughter. But for the time being, she wrote contemporary novels, and in the process gained quite a good reputation for herself as a skilled, up-and-coming writer. In her mid-twenties, she was able to leave her work as a secretary and focus solely on writing, and she was granted a scholarship to travel to Rome for several months and work there. So she moved in artistic, literary circles there in Rome, made friends, got inspiration for her writing, and she also met a Norwegian artist there named Anders Svarsad, 
with whom apparently she fell in love. He was older than her by 13 years, and more importantly, he was married and had three children, but he did not have a great relationship with his wife at this point. Long story short, in 1912, three years after Sigrid had met him, Anders divorced his wife and married Sigrid, who I believe was already carrying her first child by him at the wedding. They ultimately had three children together, two sons and a daughter, and they eventually got custody of Anders' children from his first marriage as well. So Sigrid raised, or helped to raise, six children in the end. And while she did keep writing while she was a mother, this new stage of life did find her with a lot less time for writing than she had had before marriage, and she gained a new appreciation for the meaning of motherhood and its responsibilities, and that certainly comes through in her later novels. Unfortunately, her marriage with Anders was not extremely successful. In 1919, after the close of World War I, she took her three children to a small town in southeast Norway, just temporarily, not intending to stay there long, but in the end she actually settled there. Her marriage by this point had essentially collapsed, I don't know all the reasons why, but she ended up building the remainder of her life in this new place with her three children, and at the same time, she began work on what would become her trilogy, Kristen Lovren's Daughter. She wrote the story quite quickly, considering its length. She started in 1919, and the three volumes were published in succession in 1920, 21, and 22. And that's not all. The 1920s were a prolific time for Sigrid. She followed Kristen Lovren's daughter with a second medieval saga, this one in four volumes. And Sigrid herself felt that this work was even better than Kristen Lovren's daughter, interestingly, although Kristen has become the more famous of the two over time. Now, the 1920s were a critical time in Sigrid's life not only because of the defining novels she wrote in those years, but also because she was experiencing a crisis of belief at this time. Life had not gone exactly as she had planned. She'd experienced many ups and downs, and she was beginning to open up to some ideas she had always rejected in the past. She had been raised in a secular home. Her parents were atheists, even though Sigrid had been baptized and even attended church with her mother as a girl, simply because that's what everyone did in Norway. It was almost a unanimously Lutheran country at the time. But Sigrid had spent her life up until the 1920s as an agnostic, a religious skeptic, now, however, after her marriage had broken down and World War I had shattered the whole world, she was asking serious questions and even considering the possible reality of God. It wasn't until 1924, after the publication of Kristen Lavren's Daughter, that she officially converted to Christianity, but you can plainly see her openness to Christianity in Kristen's story. 
her, her crisis of faith that she's experiencing even as she writes. We'll talk much more about that soon. And in 1924, she finally converted to Christianity, but instead of becoming Lutheran, as you might expect, she chose to join the Catholic Church, which was a rather shocking choice in her time. Very few Catholics in Norway at this point. She received a lot of criticism from her contemporaries for this choice, but she had always been a stubborn woman and stuck by what she believed, and she became an outspoken advocate for Catholicism for the rest of her life. We see a lot of Catholic themes in her later books, and she also wrote a fair bit of nonfiction here during the last stage of her career. History, literary criticism, um, autobiography, and she also translated some older works into modern Norwegian. Now, what disrupted this part of her life, much more than critics, was the Second World War. During the first, Norway had managed to stay nominally neutral, but things usually can't happen the same way twice. German forces invaded Norway in 1940, and many Norwegians had to flee the country, especially artists like Sigrid Unset. She had outspokenly criticized Hitler and the Nazis for years, and they had banned her books in Germany, so she would most definitely have been in danger if she had remained in Norway during the war. So she managed to escape to America, where she lived until the end of the war, and then returned to her old home in southeast Norway. Her house had actually been occupied by German soldiers during the war, and Sadly, her eldest son had been killed in action just a few miles from the house when the Germans first invaded in 1940. Still, Sigrid was a strong woman and kept writing and working for the war effort as long as it lasted, but once it ended and she was able to return to her home, she didn't write much more at all. She died in 1949 at age 67, and was buried near her home along with her two older children. So, an intriguing life, don't you think? And what's especially fascinating to me about her trilogy, Kristen Lavren's Daughter, is that it was born from that crisis in her life, when she had matured as a person and as a writer, she'd experienced plenty of pain and some joy, but she wasn't done seeking. She wasn't satisfied, and she was finding herself inescapably pulled toward the God of Christianity. She wrote at one point that God brought her in from the outposts. So let's focus more closely for the rest of this episode on Sigrid's masterwork, Kristen Lavren's Daughter, and especially on book one titled The Wreath, which refers to the bridal garland that medieval women wore at their wedding, and that symbolized maidenhood and purity. So the whole trilogy, quite simply, tells the complete story of one woman's life in 14th century Norway. It opens with Kristin as a young girl, and book one follows her up to her wedding. Then book two covers 
kind of the first stage of her married life, and book three, the last stage of her life. So in book one, as she grows up, Kristen has good parents. Her father, Lavrans, is a landlord in medieval Norway, well-loved by his neighbors and tenants. And Kristen's mother, Ronfrid, is a bit distant as a parent, but she does love her children deeply. Kristen is the eldest of three sisters, just like Sigrid Unset, interestingly. But out of all her family, she is closest to her father, Lavrans. So we hear various incidents from Kristen's childhood during the first part of the book, a few of which may seem a little random or, or unimportant, but as you're reading, just hold steady and trust yourself to the author. Sigrid Unset was no novice writer at this point in her career. She knew exactly what she was doing, and she's playing the long game with this story. She plants a lot of seeds early on that don't flower until later. So we experience Kristen's childhood, her young teenage years. We witness some tragedies and blessings that the family experiences. We get to know Kristen's parents, although there's much more about her parents that we don't know yet, but the author will share it in time. And then when Kristen is 15... She is promised in marriage to a young man named Simon Dare. She's never met Simon, but it's generally agreed that he will make a good match for her. He's respectable, the son of a well-off landowner, a good family. Everyone says he's a great guy. So Kristen's father arranges this marriage, and when Kristen does actually meet Simon, she, she's on the whole satisfied with him. He's decently good-looking, he has good manners, good morals, and so on. So they are betrothed, and the plan is for them to get married in a year or two. But then things start getting complicated. I won't say what exactly happens to set things off, but let's just say a friend of Kristen's complicates matters. Kristen sort of awakens to the idea that maybe Simone doesn't have it all. Maybe he wouldn't be able to make her happy if she married him. Maybe someone else could. Or maybe Kristen doesn't even want to get married, ever. Maybe she would rather become a nun, which would be a legitimate option for her. Plenty of young women in medieval Norway joined convents instead of marrying. The truth is, Kristen has never really thought seriously about what marriage means until now, when she's kind of committed already. She's betrothed to Simon Dare, and backing out is nearly impossible at this point. But she's trying to process it all and decide what she really wants out of life, and whether she'll be able to find happiness as Simon's wife. And so she asks for a little time. Her father, in the end, agrees to let Kristen travel from home and live in a convent for one year. Not as one of the sisters, but just as a student, getting a little extra education and life experience before she becomes a wife. So she's sent to this abbey for a year, away from her family, away from Simone, away from everyone she has known so far in her life. 
And then things get really complicated. And quite messy. I will be as vague as possible. Um, while at the Abbey, Kristen comes under the influence of someone who does not truly have her best interests at heart. Kristen makes some really terrible choices. Other people make some really terrible choices. And choices have consequences, although usually ones we don't expect. We also tend to try to cover up the bad choices we've made, and the cover-up always has consequences. It tends to get more and more difficult to extricate oneself from a bad situation the longer you're in it and you try to hide it. So in the long run, Kristen's plans drastically change. She asks her father to let her marry someone other than Simon Dare. Her father doesn't approve of the alternate suitor. Months, even a couple years, pass. Kristen is very deep in a bad situation. But by the end of book one of the trilogy, some things apparently resolve themselves, at least partway, and as I said early on, book one culminates in Kristen's wedding. I won't say to whom. And we then move on to part two of her story called The Wife. You know, I think other novels that might contain some of the same plot elements as Kristen's early story, bad choices, lies, consequences, many other writers would probably end the story quickly in tragedy. But Sigrid Unset does not do this. She has lived a lot of life. She's lived some of the things her characters live in this story. So she's interested in watching how Kristen's life proceeds after a messy beginning. How long do consequences last, and how many people do they affect? Is redemption possible? How do relationships ebb and flow? How do people's moral characters transform over time? Can happiness or peace be found in this life? And what about God? How does he relate to all this? Big questions. And that's why it takes a long trilogy of novels to find their answers. So we're getting close on time, and so I'm not going to go really into the themes of book one. Nearly all of them get further developed in the later books anyway, so I will just reserve my discussion of those topics for the next two episodes. But I will make a couple more comments that apply to book one and also to the whole trilogy of Kristen Lovren's Daughter. Sigrid Unset is a realist writer, and she masterfully fathoms the layers of the human heart and mind. Not a single one of her characters is shallow or one-sided. Her characters all ring true. I suppose you could say that each character has good and bad in them. Each one is somewhat sympathetic as well as frustrating and confusing at times. But that that's still too simplistic. It's not just that there's both good and bad in every character. 
it's that Sigurd Unset traces their complex thought processes and behaviors so accurately. Each character is somewhat predictable and yet unpredictable in a true-to-life way. Real people are consistent about some things and inconsistent about others, and Sigrid portrays this realistically, with insight into the why behind each person's choices. Few authors can do this well, and I, I can't do justice to Sigrid Unset's skill by just trying to describe it, so you'll have to read the book for yourself to get a sense of what I mean. But just the realism of her characters, in my mind, is one of the most remarkable aspects of her writing. And then hand-in-hand hand with that, her portrait of the setting is also remarkably convincing. This is Norway in the 1300s, a culture blending Catholicism and superstition. It's a strange time. But Sigrid was nothing short of an expert on this era. She did massive research throughout her life. She was always intrigued by medieval Norway. And her depiction of life in this time and place is seamless. Too often, I think, historical fiction writers either romanticize the past or do the opposite. They try to make a big point of how primitive the living conditions were, and how strange or even unhealthy aspects of the culture were. Sigrid Unset does an amazing job staying right in the middle of those two extremes. She immerses us in the time period, so she doesn't shy away from elements that we now would find repulsive. Lice, rotten food no painkillers, but she never lets herself portray them from the perspective of a 20th century woman. She just allows them to be present in the context without drawing unnecessary attention to them. They were normal facts of life then, and so her characters treat them as such. And we see the strange beauties of the era as well. The incredible workmanship of you know, clothes and, and buildings and art, and yes, the work ethic and some other cultural values that were commendable and that we've lost today to an extent. So I'd say Sigrid Unset writes historical fiction extremely well, and that's another point in favor of reading Kristen Lavren's Daughter. So that is a brief introduction to this trilogy. I know in many ways I haven't said too much about book one specifically because, first of all, I didn't want to reveal spoilers and also because its themes may be best discussed later in connection with the events of books two and three. Now, be forewarned, in the next two episodes, it will be harder to avoid spoilers, because we'll just have to talk more specifically about Kristen's choices and consequences if we want to discuss the deeper meaning of those choices and consequences. So, be prepared, and if you feel so inclined, feel free to start reading this trilogy in the two weeks from now until next episode when I'll be discussing book two. 
Again, look for Tina Nunali's translation. And if you do audiobooks, I do recommend Erin Bennett's narration. She does a wonderful job. Now, a quick but important caveat, especially if you're interested in reading this book for yourself. Kristen Lovren's Daughter is a mature story. It's written for adults. First of all, of course, it would be of no interest to kids because of its length and serious subject matter, but it also has some moments that would not be appropriate for younger readers. Not that it's ever extremely explicit. It definitely does not cross certain lines, but it does have some scenes that contain some sensual descriptions. So personally, I would only recommend Kristen Lovren's Daughter for about age 18 and up. I do, however, highly recommend the story to adults, and as we discuss the rest of the trilogy over the next couple of episodes, I hope I can communicate why I think it is worth reading. But for the time being, I will leave it at that. Thanks for listening to today's introduction to Secret Unset and her masterpiece, Kristen Lovren's Daughter. In two weeks, I will be back with the second episode of the season, in which we will cover the plot summary and characters of book two, and we'll dig more deeply into some of the themes of this trilogy. Now, as we wrap up, just one last note to the podcast's Patreon supporters, specifically the super patrons, who are all of you who donate $12 a month in support of Unknown Friends. Be watching for a special announcement on Patreon. Just like you got a free hard copy of Peace Like a River from season one of the podcast, I am now excited to be sending you a book that I reviewed in season two. You have some choices to choose from this time, and all the details of that will be on the Patreon newsfeed in the coming days. So be sure to be on the lookout so that I can send you your book in the mail. I just need some information from you first. As always, thank you so much for contributing financially to the podcast. It is a huge help to have your support on Patreon. And if you're new to the podcast and don't know what I'm talking about, just check out the Unknown Friends Patreon link in this episode's description. Patreon is a membership platform where you can subscribe to get additional exclusive content from podcasters and other creatives like me. This season, if you pledge as little as $6 a month in support of the Unknown Friends podcast, you actually get access to a bonus book review episode every four weeks. They will be posted on a private podcast feed that only patrons have access to. And yes, these are full-length book reviews, just like I do here on the main podcast feed, but created exclusively for Patreon subscribers. So click that Patreon link if you're interested in learning more, and feel free to message me on Facebook or Instagram at any time if you have questions or comments. I love hearing from you guys. So that's it for today. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will be back in two weeks with our next episode. Music